Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's Welcome to a very special episode of Small Doses. Uh, you know, the Oscars are upon us. And even if you're not a film buff, even if you're not a cinemaphile, there's still just the pop culture of it all that I think interests us. And the fact that, you know, Oscar So Black was a thing um, and Oscar <laughs> So White. <laughs> and, and so it has become more than just a conversation about like movies and also a conversation about, you know, diversity and perspective and politics and the continual um, addressing of the ways in which whiteness continues to be a blanket mm. uh, for standards, for uh, point of view, for insight, etc. So in that regard, I have brought on my trusted uh, critic, film critic, and just pop culture. Um, what is even the proper word to, to even describe you, Desmond? I mean, I feel like you're just, you're a connoisseur. A connoisseur. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like expert doesn't do you the justice that it needs to. Mm-hmm. But we have host of our Smart, Funny, and Black Podcast Network podcast, Adventures in Black Cinema, Mr. Desmond Thorne. Yes. Today. Yes. So glad to be here, you know. The Oscars are such a complicated thing because, like you said, they are such a beacon of pop culture, but they're also very problematic in the (laughs) way that they select their films, the way that they select their actors. I was doing some research today and realizing that Lee Daniels for Precious was the first Black director nominated for a film that was also nominated for Best Picture. And Mm. that was not that long ago. No. Oh, so like things like that, that was are what kind 2010 to 2009. I think 2009. I was in college, I think 2009, somewhere okay. around there. But like, that's insane. I just remember going to see Precious and people laughing in the theater and me looking around, like, oh my god, so much trauma. Oh my god, people, how can laughing? you all think? Yes, people thought it was funny when she threw the TV down the stairs. Like, people like literally didn't know how to respond to like the toxicity they were seeing. And I think a lot of it was because it was toxicity that they have seen. Yep, 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 yep. A lot of tension sometimes comes out as laughter. Uh, I, yep, yep, totally. I saw it at the AMC theaters in Times Square. That shit was <laughs> big as hell. Like, <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. That's crazy. So, That's I mean, crazy. I think there's something to be said for the fact that, like, people are saying that, you know, Black folks are getting more opportunities to make films that are a little bit more adventurous, that mm-hmm. are a little bit more eccentric. Um, I've even heard someone say, like, you know, we get to be mediocre and still get another shot. Um, and so there's yeah. a certain level of freedom in that. Uh you know, for me, like, I just, I think I lost interest in the Oscars, like, as long as five years ago. Like, it just became Word. something that I kind of, like, watched to watch. But, like, these award shows, oftentimes what they're awarding is so far outside of my scope of excellence that I feel is Absolutely. worth awarding. That I'm Absolutely. just like, oh, y'all have a different ad- objective here. Like, your yes. agenda is different. Absolutely. I mean, even when we... Didn't we all just learn like the, well, not we all, but a lot of us just learned that like the Hollywood foreign press, which is what the Golden Globes is voted on. It's like, who are you? And then they, and then you find out that they have no black people at zero, zero, (laughs) zero. That's like 36 dudes who are journalists. That's That's basically it. And they get that award show on television because of the money they have. That's how it's gotten to be the Golden Globes, because they can air at a good time mm-hmm. on television. It has no connection to the Oscars or to anything. It's now seen as a precursor yeah. because sometimes the things will line up and it kind of like kicks things off. But like, 
It's not important. <laughs> I mean, and people like win them and it's like a thing, but you're just like, why, when you actually look at, okay, where is the prestige behind this? It's yes. like, okay, so these th- 36 guys thought that this was good and that's why? Like, well, mm-hmm. who the fuck are these 36 guys? I personally feel like the most important <laughs> awards are the SAG Awards. Yeah, love the SAG Awards. And, you know, the Critics' Choice Awards. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like those are two awards that really... Are, and the People's Choice Awards, like mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. awards that are for all. I, I mean, I I may be talking out my neck with the People's Choice Awards because I'm not sure who actually are the people. Who, who the people? <laughs> <laughs> who the people though? <laughs> but the SAG Awards, yeah, you're voted you're voted on by your peers. Your peers, yeah. I love all the Guild Awards for the most part, um, yep. and I also love the Independent Spirit Awards and the mm. Gotham Independent Awards. Because those are the films that are actually, like, really, really good. (laughs) These are, like, the writer-director films. These are people giving, like, Nicole Bahare Best Actress for Miss Juneteenth. They're giving Kingsley Ben-Adir Breakthrough Actor. Like, these are, are, like, real awards. These people have watched (laughs) the films that are out, you know? And it's way more diverse, always. And, yeah, there's just way more breadth to those awards. Um, the SAG Awards this year, all of those actors that won were either Black or Asian. <laughs> that yeah. has never happened before. And it's not like, oh, you know, these were like goodie bags that were handed out. No, these were fucking excellent performances right. that were given their due. Yeah, You know? It's beautiful. Now, did I get my SAG screeners? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I got to finally watch one of those films. Uh, Yes. Back to the Oscars. Mm -hmm. We have Desmond here. Again, uh, Desmond is our host of Adventures in Black Cinema, which is a dope Black cinema podcast that basically just takes us on journeys through all different types of Black films from past, present, to future. And Desmond is somebody that I trust as a voice in this space because he genuinely loves film as an art, but also genuinely understands the context of the world we're in. So you're getting a well-rounded conversation about these works, not just like the inside baseball and like, look how smart I am, which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) somewhat annoying. Um, Yes, yes. So you can check out Adventures Adventures in Black Cinema everywhere pods are casted. It's Mm -hmm. weekly and you can follow it on Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. So today, Desmond is going to be giving us his picks and nicks yes. on uh, the Oscar films. So basically, the ones that the Oscar films and nominations that he feels like are deserving, and mm-hmm. the ones that he feels like are not. And yes. also, if you can include any snubs. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can we love always. A, we love a snub combo. I can always include snubs. <laughs> So, (laughs) in terms of best picture, I must say that this is a group of films that is not, there's not as much trash in here as usual. Okay. Because, I mean, let's remember that Green Book won last year. That's what I'm saying. Like, when we're talking about um, the films that were nominated for 2018, which were like Green Book, Vice, Bohemian Rhapsody, like that shit was trash. I'm yeah. like, who watched these movies and decided that they were good on like any level? Like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, level. I loved Bohemian Rhapsody, but that was just because I love Queen. Because you like Queen. Yeah. Like it's the music. The music is gonna get yes. you. The music is gonna sound good. I the like Remy. <laughs> I like Remy. But like in terms of like, is this best picture? Is this? But like something like last year when Parasite won, I was in a theater uh, watching the Oscars with a group of people. And when Parasite won, everyone started screaming. They were so excited because this was something that was a really great story. It felt like it was pushing boundaries. It was the first Korean film to win. And it felt like such a win from having Green Book the year before, which fucking... Nobody liked it unless you were old and white. Yeah, and white. Essentially. <laughs> essentially. Well, I can tell you, Rebecca loves Parasite. So shout out to Rebecca. Parasite. Love um, Parasite. I struggled with Parasite, but not, but, but 
as a piece of art, I can understand it. It's like Eminem, you know, like <laughs> not my cup of tea, but I get it. Uh, that's so funny. That's so funny. And I mean, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm more like, I, I love that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like, unlike a lot of way, mainstream white Hollywood execs, uh, who who really feel like if they don't like it or they don't relate to it, it has no purpose. Like totally. Parasite wasn't for me, but I could, but I can excise my subjective, like personal taste from being able to recognize a solid story. Absolutely. Like dope filmmaking, Absolutely. dope performances, mm-hmm. like all of those things can still be in place without it being something that's for me. Totally. Totally. And I agree. I agree. And I think that like, what we have this year is actually pretty good. The film that everyone is saying is going to win most likely is a film called Nomadland, which I liked. You know, this is about Frances McDormand and her van, you know, going across the country, kind of just like living as a nomad. And this is based on true stories of people who do this. They live out of their vans. They kind of work part-time wherever they go. They're seasonal workers and such. And... What I like about this movie is that it's by a female Asian director named Chloe Zhao. And what she does is that she does films that are like kind of part narrative, part documentary. So her last film, The Writer, is telling the story of the people who are in the movie. They are playing versions of themselves. And it's about people who do rodeo in like Montana, somewhere in like the plains. (laughs) Okay. And that film was great. And this film kind of meshes that because, of course, you have Frances McDormand in it and you have uh, David Strayhorn, but everyone else is, like, playing themselves. So it's it's really good. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, she will probably win Best Director. She will be the first woman of color to win Best Director. And, you know, big props to her. She's been doing indie films for a while, and this is the perfect kind of bridging the gap between a small indie and, like, a movie a that can, feature. like, make big money. Yeah. So is so what do you think made this a feature? Is it just the fact that she was able to get such a big name attached to it? Like, like why? I mean, it has a bigger budget, I am assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But why is this a feat? Why do you feel like this was the movie that they were like, okay, we're going to go from indie to feature with this? I think it was the success of the writer within the indie world, plus having Frances McDormand and the bigger yeah. budget. I think if she had done this story the same way she did the writer, people would have been like, oh, yes, good job, good job, good job. But having mm-hmm. a big star attached, I think really, really, okay. really helped. Yeah. And this is a film that people have been really liking for the most part. There are some, like, politics things involved that are kind of iffy about the movie in terms of Chloe coming from a very rich family and making all these movies about people who are very not that kind of... Can we just discuss that? Like, I... I feel like they've become... There's a lot of virtue signaling and there's a lot of, like... There is. Um... There's a lot of possessiveness that's going on yeah. in ways that I don't think are progressive. I agree. I agree. Because if she is only doing movies about rich people, then the conversation becomes, why are you only giving voice to those who already have voice and power? Exactly. And if, now, if she's making these movies and she's being exploitative or she's mm-hmm. not being honest to the conversation and she's not being respectful to their experience, that's another thing, right? Exactly. But, but I just, I just, I think there's also just this very unrealistic thing, view that people have about, like, what it takes to do things. Yeah. And it's like, yes, on one hand, there's the concept of, like, well, people who, you know, uh, someone who has nothing should be the one making this movie. Someone who has nothing can't make a movie. Can't get it there, you know? You can't. Because we we still live in a capitalist country and yep. in Hollywood Absolutely. where you need to have certain things. Part of it is money, but mm-hmm. also part of it is credits, yes. right? So you yes. need to have already accomplished certain things that oftentimes do get you a certain level of of money. So I just I just feel like when it comes when like commerce and creativity are very kind of like sketchy, yeah, type of place. Like I know I I work in that 
it, I work in this, the, I mean, me, Brendan and Rebecca here on the show, we have conversations all the time of just like, what's the ethics, you know, mm-hmm. and what are the more, the morality of all that. But I get that. I hate hearing that because I mean, I hate hearing what they're saying about Chloe Zhao totally. because it's like, I need to see the film, but if, she, if what you're telling me is correct, which is that like, it's an honest portrayal mm-hmm. and it's, thoughtful yes then that should be seen to me as an amplification i agree i agree versus as an exploitation yeah absolutely it's not poverty porn by any stretch of the imagination it is enlightening you about an experience that you probably don't know about i didn't know about those rodeo writers and what they went through and what they go through like when i saw her other film the writer and i honestly probably didn't care to know before I saw this movie. And the same thing with these nomads. I did not know that there are so many people living in America out of their vans and kind of just go around and work. And that's how they like to live for certain reasons. You know, they don't like to be tied down. I think very beautiful explorations. And to have a woman of color win Best Director for a film that's really good, huge. Now, let me just also say a caveat before people lose their minds in their cars right now listening to this. Poverty porn is a great point because there are times where it feels like people dip into a place and like use it to make a story and then they leave and Mm -hmm. they haven't done anything to impact that place in a positive way. So like, you know, like Concrete Cowboy, you know, I don't know if they did anything to help the individuals that are actually featured in that movie you know, find places that are new, possible, stable, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they, I know that when I watched that movie, I didn't see a GoFundMe link. Word, word, <laughs> at word. At the end. Word, you know totally. Saying? Like they did amplify their story, which is a certain level of benevolence in one case. But I think there's also that next step of like, and so the proceeds of this film, since we used your life, the proceeds of this film are going to go into this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and there's also something about like, I like that you're saying that like this nomadness movie is something, it's a story that you didn't know existed. And then there's also something about just like as a creative, like on one hand, you write about what you know, but and on the other hand, you write about what you like may want to know more about right. or what you've been exposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not from the hood. If you think I don't want to write hood shit, like you're crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I and 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 done in this and done in a responsible, like thoughtful way that is um, you know, commentary in empowerment and it's and in in the that's commentary of empowerment and that's um of enlightenment versus just like Look at this shit over here. Like, I like no Absolutely. one's trying to glorify. Absolutely. You know, when you see movies like Bling Ring, where they're just like trying to glorify, <laughs> like, oh, you spoiled ass. They're literally just showing you what happened, and that's kind of it. <laughs> that's it. So these bitches was just stealing shit. Yeah, Got yeah. Gotta say though, Emma Watson, great performance. Great performance. <laughs> <laughs> Let's rob. <laughs> Let's rob. Uh, so we like no madness. Okay, so I'm like gonna, I'm gonna my mom also said she was a fan, so I'm gonna check it out. Next film that I really, really liked and would want to win is a film called Minari. Minari is a really, really great film about a Korean family who has moved from California to Arkansas in the 80s to kind of build up an agricultural farm, kind of agricultural life for the family. And it's based on the director's life, Lee Isaac Chung. This film is so good. It again tells an American story that you don't see a lot. You don't see a lot of very honest films about Asian American immigrants and kind of what that experience is like, especially at that time in that place. Arkansas, white as hell. It's just so white. (laughs) Bill and and Hillary Clinton. (laughs) The Clintons. That's it. And this film, I mean, stars my boo, Stephen Yun, who is just one of the most delicious 
most delicious men to ex- to grace the earth. And Stephen Yun is the first Asian American man to be nominated for Best Actor. The very first one. Oh, and- wow! The <laughs> very first? The very first Yo, what one. what is this country? What is this what? country? This is the 92nd Academy Awards. <laughs> I, I, I can't. Insane. And Lee Isaac Chung being nominated for Best Director. This is the first time we've had two Asian directors nominated for Best Director with uh, him and Chloe. Um, the woman who plays the grandmother, and this is excellent, her name is uh, Yeo Jung Yoon, and she will probably win Best Supporting Actress, I hope. She is so funny, so good. And my snubs for this, when you see this film, the woman who plays Stephen Yun's wife, whose name is Han Yeri. She is incredible. I think something that the Academy doesn't know how to acknowledge sometimes is a subtle performance. Yeah. I think when someone is right, giving if you, you didn't sleep in a dead horse, yes, yes, like if don't you don't have a loud ass Oscar scene where you're just like, I loved you and I loved everything you had. Why don't you love me? You know, yeah. if you don't have one of those scenes, then they don't recognize that as acting. Whereas if you know what it's like to be a good actor, (laughs) it is about subtlety. Subtlety. And it's about what you're doing with your eye, you you know? I can tell you that, like, the growth of me... So, like, me doing Tiffany on Insecure was, like, my first foray back into scripted performance, right? Mm -hmm. So I was, was, you know, doing poetry and I was doing um, comedy, but I hadn't played a character... That I hadn't created in years. And when I, the audition process, the amount of, so before I got to that audition though, I was auditioning for a bunch of other things. And over the course of that process, I had to remember subtlety. Because my first auditions when I came to California, I'm definitely like, and you told her (laughs) to beat me. You know, like, I mean, it's just Amanda. But now when we get to Tiffany, by the time I got to Tiffany, I had, you know, gotten back into that mind state. And even still, over the course of the five seasons, you'll see how, like, toned down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a look. Absolutely. You know, like, sometimes it's just a look. Sometimes Because also, there's so much acting that happens beyond the words. Absolutely. So much. So the best much. actors are, are they're in their bodies the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, and the mm-hmm. words are just part of it. But it's like, there's so many times where I know like in Insecure, I'm in a scene and there might be a whole half a page where I don't have a line, but I still have to like be in there. Yes. And absolutely. reacting and listening absolutely. And, and conscious. So that's, I, I think that's such a valid point because they definitely, but I think that's also such an American concept. Exactly. Like Americans and subtlety is <laughs> never a thing. Mm-hmm. That's how we ended up with Donald Trump as president. Yep. Amen. Say that. Say <laughs> that. Amen. And I mean, like, you know, when you're dealing with good writing, what you say and what you mean are often two different things. So that's like levels to it. And I must say, as we were talking about your acting as Tiffany, I texted you after I saw the Coachella episode and I was like, Amanda, (laughs) the acting in that 7-Eleven parking lot scene. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, ugh. So good, so good. Snaps and claps <laughs> for Amanda. So, because so good. Really, you really though, you think this is gonna be like, I just wish I wasn't go ahead this baby and not. And like, <laughs> no, no. Even no. the postpartum scenes from season four, you mm-hmm. know, like it was like, how do you really get this across without? Like falling to pieces doesn't mean doesn't have to mean Khaleesi flying through no. a fucking town or on a dragon and burning down King's Landing. No. That doesn't have to be what falling to pieces looks like. Mm-hmm. So much of falling to pieces is watching somebody like still trying to hold it together. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Another thing, another acting thing, opposites. opposites. You're trying to do something that you just can't do, and that's <laughs> fascinating. It's fascinating <laughs> to watch someone try not to cry, because guess what you're going to do? You're probably going to cry. You're going to cry. Not to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Every time. Every single time, every single time. So Minari. Okay. Mm-hmm. Minari, I think is great. If I were giving out best picture, I would give it to this because I've seen 
almost every Best Picture nominee from 1960 to the present. And I think something that's fascinating about films that win in certain years is that they're very much directed to what's happening at the Mm. time. Like when you look at the year Slumdog Millionaire won, Mm -hmm. that year was just dog shit. Everyone needed some hope. Everyone needed like hopefulness in their lives. So when they saw Slumdog Millionaire, they were just like, oh my God, yes. Like, Jesus, this is what we needed. So um, I think... By the way, if you all have not seen Slumdog Millionaire, like, it's absolutely worth your time. If you have not seen Green Book, it is absolutely not worth your time. And that's why I say most Best Picture nominees, because there are some that I refuse to engage with. I refuse to engage with Green Book. Uh, (laughs) I refuse. Working at the movie theater, I saw bits and pieces of it, and I saw all I needed to see. I saw Mahershala Ali acting very well in a movie that should have been about him. Him. Directed and written by a Black person. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you know, Prentice and I were talking the other day. Prentice, by the way, you guys, Prentice Penny is our showrunner on Insecure, and he also uh, wrote and directed what I believe to be an incredibly beautiful film yes. called Uncorked. So good. We did a whole episode on Small Doses called Side Effects of Uncorked. Um, and, you know, Prentice was saying something, and he was just like, you know, it's so like it's so important that black writers and directors get to do films about us because when we don't and someone else does it just it so often feels like a puppet show. Yes, absolutely. And you know and he was like and also like the, it also ends up being this weird thing where like white folks doing stuff about other people they get more acclaim for as Always. if it's like patting you on the back and also mm-hmm. like look at you managed to like tap into this very foreign experience and <laughs> make it authentic do it? <laughs> but when black people do a black film about black people it's like well obviously yeah you know, mm-hmm. but if black people did a white film about white people, they wouldn't get any more acclaim. So, you know, all. we're still dealing with those types of things. Absolutely. So what are the films that are nominated this year? So we have The Father. We have Judas and the Black Messiah. We have Mank. We have Minari. We have Nomadland. We have Promising Young Woman. We have Sound of Metal. And we have The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I have seen two of these films. Ooh, which two did you see? I feel like you can guess. I know you saw Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. And did you see The Trial of the Chicago Seven? <laughs> we knew it. <laughs> okay, because The Trial of the Chicago Seven is the stereotypical Oscar Beatty movie, right? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Like, it has a very high chance of winning Best Original Screenplay only because Aaron Sorkin wrote it, but it's not a great screenplay. I thought that in terms of like, like I'll just say this: as mm-hmm. I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, they're writing," and I guess that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good. Point. That's all I'm saying. That's so that's why point. I feel like it winning best screenplay wouldn't upset me because it's, as I was watching, I turned to Devon and was like, "Oh, they're writing." <laughs> um, because you know, I, I watch movies and it's, and as someone who is in a town where I have to like audition for things totally. and have meetings for things. Let me tell y'all. Word. <laughs> good writing is hard to find. Yes, it is. Yes, and it so is. And so when you, when you hear it, it's like, oh, it's, it's a different melody. Mm-hmm. And the, my, my only thing about best original screenplay is that I want it to be good writing, but I also feel like to me, Best original screenplay mm-hmm. should also mean most original screenplay. Yeah, so it's not based on... You You had to come up with this from your mind. Mm-hmm, hmm Like, when Get Out won Best Original Screenplay, it's like, yeah. This was the most original story told in yes. the most original way this year. You know? Yes, Um. Yes. So, like, while it definitely is good writing, and he'll most likely win because, you know, you're looking at a piece of paper... And you see Aaron Sorkin screenplay, you're gonna check the box most likely. And a lot of people have seen this movie. It's very accessible. It's uh, very easy to watch in a lot of ways in terms of it being on Netflix and in terms of it being just like very straightforward, very straightforward film. I don't think Sasha Baron Cohen should have been nominated necessarily. No. no. <laughs> but you know, I agree. I did. But that was one of those Oscar type performances that you saw. Exactly, about. exactly. And I think that they're just surprised. That he's not Borat. 
I think that they're just like (laughs) (laughs) blown away that he's not that person. Um, But in that movie, I thought Yaya was great. I loved Yaya. That's the homie Yaya. Yes, he is always, he's just consistently, consistently great. And I was like, well, I want to see more Bobby Seale. (laughs) I want want more of this then. And um, I mean, just like, that to me was an example of subtlety. Yes. Absolutely. Because he would have to outburst, but the times when he's not, he's just having to be there, mm-hmm. not wanting to be there. Mm-hmm. And having to hold that space throughout a lot of kind of like didactic kind of interactions. Exactly. You know? And when Mark Rylands, who was also very good in that movie, goes and tells him that they've killed Fred Hampton, before he says, I know, you can see on his face yeah. that he knows. You know? Mm-hmm. You can just... And you can feel how he probably expressed himself when he found out. But he is choosing not to express himself that way in this moment. We're not in we're not in company. Mm-hmm. We're not in company. He's <laughs> saying this isn't this isn't family. This is not family. What did you think of Judas and the Black Messiah? So I really, really enjoyed Judas and the Black Messiah. I think, you know, in I think there's there's certain politics around movies like that that yes. I think are very real. Um, you know, just the constant conversation around like British actors playing yes. these iconic black American roles. Yes. And I know there's folks listening who are gonna just be like, it doesn't matter, like y'all are focusing the wrong thing. But I think as a working actress in Hollywood, I think it it's matters. It, it matters. It matters. It absolutely matters. <laughs> it, it matters. And I think that there's definitely this like uh, in uh, unspoken, but inbred hierarchy that these white people in Hollywood have put within like black people with a British accent and yes. black people who are American. Absolutely. And they absolutely hold that to like a certain level of acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that these folks aren't great actors. Like, right. I mean, listen, like Chiwetel Ejiofor and and, right. and and David Oyelowo. I always get it wrong. <laughs> Oyelowo. David Oyelowo and um, listen, Damson Idris and and John Bo- and 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 John, John Boyega, Boyega and and of course Daniel. Mm-hmm. Like. They are all incredible actors. Yeah. I just feel like there is still a co-opting of the Black American narrative getting to be told by us when we are not um, put in position to be at the helm of those stories. And these movies, for a lot of people, are the only way they find out these stories. That is the thing that I have in general with this movie. Um... You know, those two things. Daniel is so great. He will win Best Supporting Actor. And it makes me wonder, as great as he was, how great an American actor would be in that role because we have a different connection to that history. billion percent. A very visceral connection to that history. Yes. That you can just... It's not a role. It's not... It's not... It's... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Totally. Because it's real because it's... You, like Daniel is a method actor mm-hmm. and I just feel like for someone to play that role, they wouldn't even have like for a lot of black American men that are particularly from um, inner city backgrounds. Yes. Yes. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't need to method. Now the other side of that argument is it's acting. Yep. Anyone should be able to play any role. Yep. Um, you know, it's like people are mad. Like I've had people be mad that I play an AKA on Insecure and they're like an AKA should have played wow. that role. And I'm just like, I, uh, um, uh, but you know, like even in the sense that like, they're like, you know, only trans people should play roles that are trans roles, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. only. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we do bump up against like where does the line get drawn yeah. in those spaces? You yeah. know, I mean, for uh, for much of the conversation, it was simply just like white people shouldn't get to just play all the roles. Like when Emma Emma Stone Emma Stone was playing an Asian woman, you're just like oh, I nah. need to stop. Scarlett when, Johansson, bye <laughs> bye. You know, like uh, Ray Fiennes brother Ralph played Michael Jackson in a movie. You know, oh I like, forgot about that. 
Well, you know, and then of course Zoe Saldana playing Nina Simone. Disrespectful. It was, and so like I like I had an audition the other day. Um, well, I was proposed an audition the other day for a role that would have been a bio. It's for a TV show, but it would have been based on an actual person. Mm-hmm. And when they sent me the role, it was just like, and I'm being vague because it's a pro- it's a project that's totally. very under wraps right now, so I can't like be explicit about it. But for the role, it was it was a role that I I didn't want to play just in general because of the actual positioning of the person Mm -hmm. but outside of that i googled what this actual person looked like and this is a dark-skinned black woman yep yeah and i was like why am i even being called yeah to interview for this yeah and so i told yvonne i was like yvonne do you know about this audition and she hadn't heard about it and i was like well ask her agents to look into it because why (laughs) yeah (laughs) why are they calling me and they haven't called you like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so, you know, I think there's been just kind of like those very clear yeah. reasons. I think that conversation around like British black actors playing American roles has, it, it's, it has various sides to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that we've seen time and time again, though, is that they're playing historical figures that are so connected to African-American history and they're getting awarded for it, whereas we are not when we do the same thing, right? We're not even taught that history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, like, mm-hmm. when you even consider this year, the people who are nominated for the historical... Well, I mean... You do have Lakeith in there. You have Leslie Odom in there, too. But, I mean, there's so much to love about a film like One Night in Miami, and all those people are American, but then you get a British person involved, you get, like, Daniel for Judas, and then you get Cynthia Erivo for Harriet and stuff like that. So it's, like, constantly being nominated and And now she's doing Aretha. And now she's doing Aretha. So, I don't know. I don't know. I also, I like that movie a lot, and I'm very happy that... This is the first time, again, in 92 years, that we are getting an all-Black team of producers nominated for Best Picture. Macro and... Yeah, yeah. And um, the thing about this movie uh, that I take for granted as someone who's very well-versed in Black history is that I didn't find it particularly enlightening past what I already know. But that is me just having grown up in an environment where I'm constantly knowing about Black history. I mean, my brother, when we were in high school, made a documentary about COINTELPRO, the hip-hop movement, and the Black Panthers. So, like, I've just known about this stuff for so long that I wanted a little bit more, but so many people don't know shit about any of that. So, for that reason, I'm very glad that this film exists and that's gotten so far. It's gotten so, How do you feel about the concept of, like, no more Black black pain movies? Like, I know there was this thought process of, like, no more slave movies, but now I've been hearing a lot of conversation about, like, no more Black pain. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that it's a very valid argument just to get the numbers up (laughs) of films that are not... Of other films. Like, more... Because even even that movie, like, as much as it is highlighting Fred Hampton, he's still murdered at the end, and mm-hmm. it was still because of another Black man exactly. who was... Exactly. ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, this is still, at the end of the day, you are telling a story about... Um, betrayal. Betrayal. Black, black, betrayal. black, black betrayal. Exactly. And there are other Black films that I think stood a chance that weren't about that. But I think, again, this is something as radical in some ways as it is for the Academy to nominate, still in many ways falls within their wheelhouse, you know? Yes. I mean, cause it's, it's, it's very moonlight in that. It's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like <laughs> provocative black. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes. Yes. It's, it's, they were all like, Ooh, Ooh, because if it was, but you know what? He, and here's where shit can get trippy though. Mm hmm. If it was just about Fred Hampton, they wouldn't have found it as interesting. It, exactly. And that, I, I think, think, is what I wanted. 
I wanted yeah, a Fred Hampton I wanted because the the angles that I think makes it interesting to them is the juxtaposition of Lakeith's character as the snitch mm-hmm. with Fred Hampton as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so here we have a film now that shows like, look at this inner conflict and this is what's so rich about the story. Mm-hmm. When really to me, what's rich about the story is the fact that Fred Hampton was a 21 year old man in Chicago who managed to get all of these people together yes. who had before before then not fucked with each other and really could have changed things. Absolutely. And it wasn't this black man who actually took him down. It was the FB fucking I who took him down. Yes. Yes. Correct. In that the FBI is the antagonist of the film. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why. So when I see like Judas in the black Messiah, I'm like, nah, he was a tool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I do, of course we have to give people accountability for their agency, but it's like, yeah, but you are exploiting the vulnerabilities of this yes. person and your and the situation that you have put black people in. So 100%. How- 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, very frustrating. But on the subject of just like performance, I think they did a solid job. Yeah. I think it the was acting, shot well. So the good. acting was yeah. The Dominiques, Dominique Fishback and Dominique Thorne were great. You, the great. black women in this film. And I love that they weren't well known. Like yes. I, I think it's it's we need to make more stars. Yes. Yes. Like we we and and I I'm just craving for us to do that in the comedy space. I agree. Right? Like I agree. Oh my it was God. like it was like Tiffany Haddish, and then they were just like, and that's scene. it. Like, that's it. <laughs> no more. No more. And then I heard they're about to make, I heard that apparently they're talking about making another coming to America. And I just want to. <sighs> no, 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 no. Uh, I I agree. I even think the woman who played uh, Mrs. Winters, Jake's mom, in that one scene where Fred Hampton goes to see her after he gets out of prison. Beautiful scene. They're mm-hmm. just talking about the things her son used to do and the legacy yeah. that he may leave behind, simplicity, simplicity. She was excellent. And she was in one scene. And I, I remember her. Yeah. That's the Viola Davis movement. Yes. That's the, that's the Judy Dench movement. You yes. Know? Amen. Amen. Never forget that Judy Dench won an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love and she had like four lines. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So another film that I loved this year that I did not expect, I didn't know what to expect, The Father, this movie fucked me up. Oh my God, do I even want to see that It fucked me up. (laughs) It's well made in a way that I didn't expect. So this is based on a play. And the guy who wrote the play directed the film and co-adapted the screenplay with a guy named Christopher Hampton who adapts plays like nobody's business. If you've seen Dangerous Liaisons, you are familiar with the work of Christopher Hampton. He is fantastic. So this film stars Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. So you know you're about to watch some acting. I was like, oh. (laughs) And this is about... We We acting up in here. And this is about... Anthony Hopkins' character experiencing dementia. And this film so puts you in that experience in the way that it's shot, the way the set is, the way the editing is. There is a part in this film, you're watching like the end of a scene, right? And then he goes into the dining room. He's talking to them, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes to get some chicken. He comes back and then you see the end of the scene again. And I said, what the fuck is happening? Because that is how it feels for him to not know what the fuck is going on. And this movie plays with your expectations and plays and really gives an empathy to dementia in a way that I don't think I've seen really in a while. Because you're watching and you're just like, damn, number one, I don't ever want to experience this shit. And number two, if you know someone who has gone through it, it just like breaks your heart wide open. You're just like, damn, that's what they were going through. It was it's it's so good. It's so good. All right. Like the way that they'll even change subtle things like the set. Sometimes the door will look different. Sometimes the painting isn't there. Sometimes this other thing isn't there. And you're just like, oh my God, what's happening? Like this. And also this guy, too. 
is an asshole. So that's kind of like a little bit of a complicated thing, you know? It's just, it's absolutely stellar. Uh, That movie probably surprised me the most out of everything I've seen. I definitely have not, like some of these films I haven't even heard of. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, well, are there even any movies to be in the Oscars? (laughs) Because there was a pandemic. Yeah. So... Where were people able to even see these movies? So, few of them were on Netflix. Uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 and Mank were on Netflix. Nomadland is on Hulu. Sound of Metal was on Amazon. Are they still available? Yes, all of those are still available. Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father. Those are all available to rent. But they will be on streaming services at some point. And those are also playing in theaters right now as well. And speaking of Sound of Metal, fucking great. I think this is a... This year has been really great for visibility for people with disabilities. Mm. This film is nominated, and there's also a film nominated in the documentary category called Crip Camp, which is about a camp for people with disabilities that was in the 70s in the Woodstock area that led to these people getting together to get the ADA ratified. Okay. The American Disabilities Act ratified. Yeah, yeah, Years and years and years later. It's really, really good. That's available on Netflix. And Sound of Metal is about a guy who is a drummer who is going through hearing loss. And the way that they do the sound so that sometimes you're in the experience of him losing his hearing it's Riz Ahmed acting mm. per usual. Per He is the first Muslim man to be <laughs> nominated for Best Actor. Um, he is excellent in this film, as is the guy who is his counselor, because this guy is also an addict. So he goes to a place for people who are hard of hearing who are also addicts. And the guy who is his counselor, his name is Paul Racy. He is actually a man who deals with hearing loss. And he is so good. He is so good. If Daniel was not nominated, he would be my pick for Best Supporting Actor. Mm. There is a scene that they'll probably show for his Oscar scene (laughs) where he has to make a very hard decision about what to do with Riz Ahmed's character. And I stand in the theater and watch it every day. It's, again, a masterclass. Watching someone do something that they don't want to do but that they have to do is... Just one of the most interesting and engaging things to watch, especially once the person they had to do it to leaves the room. He takes this breath after he leaves that's just like, oh my God, this like release of tension and this release of everything that he just had to do. It's just beautiful. So I love that movie too. And another movie that I think is kind of, And I think that movie, too, is something that's a bit different for the Academy to nominate. It kind of does have, in a lot of ways, a bit of a punk energy to the first, like, half an hour of it that I don't think a lot of Oscar Mm. voters would be into. But story is so great. The acting is very, very on point. And I would say the same thing about Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman is a film starring Carrie Mulligan, who is a beast, She's a beast. Every time. Every, Every time. single time. She will most likely win Best Actress. It's I think it's between her and Viola for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Because Carrie Mulligan is someone who is a beast every single time. And they rightfully owe her an Oscar. The year that Sandra Bullock won for fucking Blindside should have either gone to Carrie Mulligan for an education. For the education. Or yep. yeah. Gabourey yeah. Sidibe for Precious. Because yeah. the reason... They didn't know who Gabrielle Sidibe was, was the problem. <laughs> because but if they had seen the fucking movie, because that's the other thing we have to remember, guys. Like, people don't always watch don't all watch. the movies. They don't. You know, they, they vote on what they saw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why it's also, like, when you're looking at these, you have to think about like, the people who are on, like, the Oscar committee oftentimes are people who are also very busy. Yes. Right? Yes. So they don't even have time to watch all these fucking movies. Absolutely. So they really just kind of vote for the ones who they each are, for, that they're either involved in mm-hmm. or the ones that they know people who are involved exactly. in, right? So you're voting for friends. You're not really voting 
for the performance every time. Exactly. I wanted to ask you real quick before you go into Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Why Why were Judas and the Black Messiah, why were Lakeith and, and Daniel nominated for supporting versus lead? So no one knows for sure, but the best theory that I've seen, and the reason why no one knows for sure is because the nomination votes and I think also the final votes are kept secret. Nobody has access to them. So the working theory that I've heard is that people really liked the movie. People really liked the both of them. He was campaigned, Lakeith was campaigned by Warner Brothers as lead actor. Yes, he was. But you have the power to put him wherever you want. So if your objective is to see Lakeith Stanfield nominated regardless, you'll put him in both. And I think he probably just missed the bubble for best actor because best actor has like so many names in it as well as some just very undeniable kind of performances that we've had Mm. this year. But he made it into supporting because people obviously also wrote him in there also because they really like Lakeith Stanfield, period. I think he's a person that was, uh, that they were very surprised that he's not just the weirdo, you know, that he can do a performance that has like emotional depth to it and for all intents and purposes, play like a normal person. I think that they're very surprised by that. Mm. So if you want to see someone nominated like that and you aren't sure that he will get a lead nomination, you'll put him in supporting as well. So that's basically the working theory as to how and why that happened. It's very strange. (laughs) It's very, very strange. Um, so then, so promising young woman, because mm-hmm. I took you on a road. No, so no, no, promising no, totally. young woman, Carrie, Carrie Mulligan, Mulligan. She plays a woman who her friend was raped in college when they were in college together, and her friend committed suicide. So essentially, what Carrie Mulligan wants to do in this movie is kind of exact revenge for her death by getting back in various ways to the people who didn't do, who either did something to her or didn't do something when they could have had the power to do something. So it's very interesting. It's very well written. I would say that that is probably the most original screenplay that I've seen in terms of how the story is handled and in terms of how it was advertised kind of as like a violent revenge thing. But it's really more about her coming to people and like fucking them up mentally. Holding them accountable. Holding them accountable. There's a scene that she has with Connie Britton that is fantastic. It is. Are we like Clear Eyes Full Hearts Can't Lose Friday Night Lights Connie Britton? Yes, because Connie Britton plays a woman who I think was like a dean. She had some sort of power within the college. And and people had told her about this situation. People had told her about these dudes and about Mm. the situation and she didn't do anything. So when Mm. Carrie Mulligan is in the office with her, you're just like, this is a clinic. We're getting a a clinic right here. And um, it's just a great ensemble cast. The What I think is very important about how that movie was cast is that all the dudes who are the bad dudes, they're all very charming men that you've seen on television. They're people from New Girl. It's Sam Richardson from Veep. It's Bo Burnham. It's uh, Adam Brody. It's all of these really charming people that always play very kind, wonderful dudes so that you don't expect them to be shitty. It's very, very, very smart. It's very, very smart. And also, Stars Are Blind is in this movie by Paris Hilton. So I think think it's just um, a very well done, a very interesting movie. Definitely pushing boundaries in how we talk about things like assault and everything like that. Is it very much like a white feminist kind of thing? Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> but she's not, but she's doing it, not trying to do something else. You know what I mean? She stays in her lane in that way. I think that sometimes there is a something like girls where you're like, okay, yes, she's a white feminist, but she also lives in a world of New York City. There's got to be other people some of the time. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. promising young women. I think she was like, I'm telling this very succinct story about these people. These are the people that are involved. Laverne Cox plays um, Carrie Mulligan's like boss and friend, and she's great in it. But I think 
she doesn't fall into the trap of like trying to include an experience that she doesn't know about, you know? And I appreciate that to a certain extent, you know? All right. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, it's a good one. You know what I do like? These are all very different Very different from each films. other. Yeah. And I will say this. Um, something that's, that you've mentioned quite a bit is kind of just like the way in which people are using film beyond just the lens. Yeah. So like sound mm-hmm. and unique ways of script writing. Um, like So sound in the case of Riz Ahmed mm-hmm. uh, and The Sound of Noise. What was it called? Sound the of Metal. Art- the sound of metal, you know, script, script, uh, breaking script form in, in the father, mm-hmm. right? You know, and and also like uh, how you were saying they're using like the set, um, so really using all these different elements. Yeah. Because someone had recently said to me, and I can't remember who it was, but they're basically kind of saying to me like, "Oh, like it feels like movies are dying, like you know, TV." What am I saying? It's my man. He just <laughs> weird to me because he was he calls like. Like, if a TV show is particularly, like, epic, he'll call it a movie. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, you cannot do that. And he just does it just to annoy me now. But like, <laughs> shows, you know, shows like The Expanse, mm-hmm. shows like Game of Thrones, mm. shows like, I'm trying to think of another one that he loves to call a movie. Um, I can't think of it, but... He will call it a movie. And I'm just like, you can't because the art form of the film is a thing. It is. Absolutely. And there is there is something to be said for telling a story within this like one, one and a half to three hour framework than telling a story over the course of a series of episodes. Absolutely. And, and both require a different mastery. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. And, and and then just like the actual cinematography involved with making and and the actual choices like we've been talking about with sound and with vision and with set and with costume like one thing i will say that i appreciate about award shows is them acknowledging all these different areas yes. because they are all Essential, essential, you know, Absolutely. and I think a lot of people don't think about sound, but baby, you don't got a movie if you ain't got sound, you, you got a silent film. You don't, it is so essential, it is so <laughs> like, essential. You know, like I see people talking, like it took a long time and I think it's not even, I'm not even sure if the Oscars acknowledge them yet, but like casting directors. They need a category. Are, like have been fighting for a while to get a category they and it's one. like, well, duh, because one. to your point, um, I th- there was a movie, I can't remember which one you had listed, but where you were saying, like, I feel like this was a miscast. Like, this, like, they're, they're, like this someone else maybe should have been in this role. And I think that I see that oftentimes, and then I see other times where I'm just like, this genius person was born yeah. for this Genius. Role. Genius. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no one else. Like, I feel like the Five Bloods could have won an actual casting mm-hmm. award. Delroy Lindo should be nominated for Best Actor. That was the best performance of the year. Kind of like, period. Like, like that's it. That's it. That's it. Oh my god. Even even the fact that like, like okay, so rest in peace. You know, we at the Oscars, of course, will be honoring the life and the work of Chadwick. Yes, one hundred percent. And. It took a certain kind of casting director to be able to see Chadwick as like Thurgood Marshall because you're just like, well, he doesn't look like Thurgood Marshall. So I don't know. But he played the shit out of that role. Yeah. (laughs) He played, yeah. And to see, I mean, a character like Levy in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, every Black actor wants to play Levy in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That is a coveted role. Yes. And... Chadwick is known for playing heroes, very noble yep. people. And he yep. bodied this role. Body. And this is August Wilson. August Wilson's text is dense. It is very it's dense. It's a play. It's a fucking play. <laughs> These, and you're doing this play, 
for film. So you are sitting in this room for days and days Mm -hmm. and days doing this thick ass text and still trying to meet in the middle. You don't want to ignore the fact that it's a play, but you also, it has to be a movie too. And they did a great job. I mean, Coleman, my mans, Coleman was also great. Glenn Turman, always. Turman. Always. Let me tell you something. The other thing about uh, movies that are plays are quite often, and this is exactly very similar with Ma Rainey, you're in a static space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. You know, because that when you're doing a play on stage, you really, you know, you're typically in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Like you're in whatever set you're in and you're not doing a lot of movement to different locations. And so the amount of energy that is needed to keep filling that space and create dynamics. um, Even though you are not leaving, like it's, it's, it's hard because we're just, it's just us. And in the case of my Rainey's black bottom, so much of that film is done in a blank ass room (laughs) in a basement. In a basement (laughs) with a fucking door to nowhere. Yep. Literally. Literally. But Chadwick is nominated for best actor. Yes. Yep. And he will win. If let me tell you, if Chauvin goes free and Chadwick don't win, we got to burn it all down. Yeah, he he will win. He has been sweeping everything. There has been very few sweeps this season, which is making things very interesting. But Chadwick has been sweeping. Chloe Zhao has been sweeping for director for Nomadland. And that film, Nomadland, has also been sweeping a lot of awards. I think that those are those are the locks and everything else is kind of up for grabs, which is pretty exciting. It's very rare that that happens. So tell me this before we go. Mm-hmm. Should we watch? Do we even care? Yes. To watch the awards. Not oh, to watch the film. I'm, I'm going to watch the film. But do we watch, to watch the, awards? the awards? Now let me tell you, my main man, Jesse Collins of Jesse Collins Entertainment, who produced my special, I'd be knowing. Yes. He also produced the BT Awards. Yes. Um, and then he he just produced the Grammys. Grammys were produced, great this year. Yeah. And he also produced the halftime show. He's producing the Oscars. Okay. So, you know, there's a different element there. So I would be watching supporting my homie. Yes. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I mean, I guess. It is a black man with a black woman staff. So if you want to watch just for the get the, them to get their numbers. Yes. yes, that's true. You could turn it on and walk away totally. and go watch something else on your phone or uh, on another TV. In another totally. I mean, I also, I think it's worth watching, especially in the past couple of years, because for these, um, these lesser known categories, these technical categories, they've done a really good job of showing you visually how they're put together. So when they do best sound, they'll show you Mm. the scene with the tracks, with the person mixing. And you're just like, oh shit, this is how they put it together. When they show production design, they'll show you the renderings. They'll, They'll show you how the set decorator put the fabrics on and everything. When they show you the screenplay, they'll show you the words. That's one of my favorite things. I love it. it. So I think it's, especially if you are really into film, I would say watch this to see, number one, what kind of things they're awarding. Because I think that's important to just take note of. I think it's important to take note of what this faction deems to be the best of these things. And if you agree or if you disagree, regardless, it is a trend. And uh, to really give these people who are deserving their props, I think every year there's at least one person who gets their roses. Like when Regina King won Best Supporting Actress, I was like, yep. you better get your About fucking, fucking roses. Like, And there, there always is a case of that happening, you know. So I would love to see, um, you know, I think, I think the other thing, that's not even what I was going to say. What I was going to say was, you know, anybody listening who has any interest in the entertainment business should watch for, if you're going to watch, should watch for the reasons that Desmond just named. Mm -hmm. Cause I think so often we are just so tapped into just like being an actor and there's so many other spaces of creativity that, are not only awarded, but that are also incredibly creative that people don't think about. You know, people think for for sound that you're just holding a mic and it's like, well, that's actually just a portion of what that world is involving, right? Absolutely. And for, for production design. And I think just being able to expand our scope of the spaces in which we, particularly the Black people who are listening, being able to expand our scope of the places in which we can be a part of influencing um, 
these images and, and how they make it to screen is, is imperative. And I, I do know that a lot of us just don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's a quick kind of like, it's a quick kind of cliff notes um, Absolutely. into, into like the full mechanics of what a film is. And, that, and, and on the other side of that, if you're an actor, you need to know all of these things. I'm gonna tell you mm-hmm. the other day when we were shooting on set, um, one of our one of my co-stars was like tripping on one of her lines and she was like trying to get it, and I had to do business. So business is basically like the action that you're assigned to do while somebody is um uh well while you're performing. So my business was I needed to pour a drink, and so she kept tripping on the line. And so I just froze. And then one of the other actors was like, why are you frozen? And I'm like, because I need her to say the line so that I can do the business for your edit. Yes. Yes. That's so important. And they were like, oh. And I was like, yeah. Like, if I am in the middle of this motion at the wrong time, it's going to fuck up the continuity. Mm -hmm. And so the whole take is a pointless take. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was like... I only know that because I've had to edit because yes. I've made it a conscious awareness. Like when you're an actor on stage, I mean, when you're an actor on set and you learn to be conscious of sounds mm-hmm. that are not you. Mm-hmm. Planes and birds yes. and ho- car horns yes. and sirens. Yes. So that you can stop yes. in the middle and say, ah, hold for sound. Hold for plane. but i think a lot of us as performers we're so focused on just the text that we don't understand that there's all of these other elements that are that are at play and so you're right i think there is something special in the fact that the oscars does make a point of giving you a little glimpse even if it's just a peek Mm -hmm. a little glimpse into like all these other working parts and those behind the scenes people love actors who know those things because it makes their jobs easier and you never know how that could get you another job because that person thinks oh she was dope on set. She knew exactly what to do. She knew all the moves. She knew Say she's that. great. And also, Say that. if you are an actor too, know that there are people nominated for Oscars this year, specifically the woman who directed Promising Young Woman. She's nominated for Best Directing, Best Picture, and Best Writer. She's an actor. <laughs> really? Yes. So know too that if you're an actor, do... As many things as you want. If you have, if you have a story <laughs> yes. to tell, tell that story. You never know. Just learn about the craft of making film. It's very important. The last dose. I just, I loved all of this. You are just so fabulous. You're such a bastion of information. Let me tell y'all, just an endless coffer of knowledge right here with Desmond Thorne. <laughs> And um, and so I was really glad that we were able to get you on to talk about these Oscar films. Yes. And, you know, we've been, we've been doing a lot of talking about deep topics, et cetera. So it was like, let's <laughs> talk about some movies. Let's, let's go to that. movies. Let's do that. So y'all make sure to check out Desmond's podcast, Adventures in Black Cinema, wherever pods are casted. It is our debut podcast, a part of the Smart, Funny, and Black Podcast Network. And you can follow Desmond at Smart... I mean, you can follow Desmond on Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Yes. Thank you. So let's all go to the movies. Let's Let's all go to the movies. Let's (laughs) all go to the movies and make sure you wear a mask. Yes, please. Please. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.